Hey, welcome to the Morning Mic Check. I'm Pat Brown here with Mike Metzger. Mike and I have known each other for a while now. I first met him around 2010, and he's become one of the key mentors in my life. Over the years, we've had countless conversations, and in almost every one, I've walked away having discovered something new. Mike has this unique ability where he can reframe a conversation, and you begin to discover a deeper reality around you. It's a bit like Alice tumbling down the rabbit hole. I'm releasing these conversations as an invitation to follow me as I go down that rabbit hole. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Vietnam. Well, we know we don't have any listeners. <laughs> they are really tired of that one. <laughs> I'll tell you, this, you know, this could be a downer of a podcast. Because first of all, today's July 7, when we're recording this. You know what's a bummer about July 7? What is that? The days are already getting shorter. Mm, <laughs> I feel like summer hasn't even started for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It is amazing how fast life is going by right now. Oh I'm, man! Whew. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Spe- speaking of fast and yes. uh, life going by fast, I, you know, I'm even finding myself in this stage of life. I have several children now. Um, in a different stage of my career. Um, you know, I was actually catching up on some of your Clapham commentary and reading, reading several different, different of your blogs. And, uh, it was refreshing. It was also, I couldn't help, but, but come back to the question of man, what, what is the path forward? Where do we go from here? And I, I, for example, right now at work, I manage a, uh, you know, medium sized team and I'm thinking, wow, well, I, I think it's important people enjoy their work. And so my, you know, kind of what maybe you call it a vision for what I do is to, to bring joy to their work. And, uh, you get 40 hours a week with, with a team, you bring joy and that's, that's a good thing. I'm loving my neighbor, but is there, is there something else? Um, at, at home, I, I want to raise my kids. Well, I want to, uh, cultivate hopefully a love for, for the Lord in them, but I don't know what else uh, what's 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 the path forward uh, we, we we live in a world where a lot has changed and we see as you you called out in your July 4th post you know this lack of virtue in society and that threatens our republic and what's the path forward so I I, I continue to come back to that question um, and I, I thought that was worth exploring a little bit this morning Maybe, maybe it's a refresher of the basics is needed. I, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, wanted to, to throw that out to you, Mike. What is the path forward as we've, we've had so many discussions? What would you say is the path forward? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, I think about that uh, a lot. And I would assume that uh, our two, three listeners uh, think about that a lot. Um, here's, where we'll, uh, here's one way to start. Because this is a bit of a, I think we're going to say to a few of you, might shock you a tad, so we'll try to lessen the shock here. Uh, one, of the, one of the funnier books that David Brooks wrote probably about 25, 30 years ago is called On Paradise Drive. And it's uh, the subtitle is Americans are unique in the world and that they're always in the future. They're always thinking about what comes next. What's in the future? <laughs> 
and they generally don't have rearview mirrors by the way we just uh what's the way forward and uh so i had to have it obviously has some um benefits especially if uh you want to be innovative or if you want to uh, you know have a particularly uh, a company that has some foresight but uh i've come to see there's a big problem in that and it is the lack of rear view mirrors um, and this includes most all of my friends who love christ and so let's just talk about this just in a moment because uh you know c.s lewis in his uh, inaugural lecture at Cambridge in 1954, introduced himself as a dinosaur. And he was a dinosaur, he said, because he was a Middle Ages man when the point was not what's the way forward, or rather the way forward was returning. He put it in one of his books, uh, the truly progressive man is someone who recognizes they're on the wrong path and they turn around. So I happen to think that the way forward is returning in a simple phrase, a simple word. That is, by the way, the central organizing verb often in Judaism, return. So I think we're in, a, we're in an epoch in history. We're at the end of a 500-year cycle called the West, which is often not very helpful for most people. So maybe we ought to retire that term. But uh, we'll put it out here, Pat, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, I'm, this is not original with me, but people that I respect and I look to say, the West must die. So let it die. Yeah, so that's, all right, two things. The first, first of all, is this Mike I'm talking to? And say, <laughs> wrong number. The first, um, you know, obviously the West must die. That's a pretty provocative statement. Um, but you also said, let it die. So I think that's that's very different because there's there's also very strongly a cultural wind that is saying, you know, we gotta up in the system. We gotta. You can go obviously the very extreme in a very unhealthy way but let's just take more of the modern you have to up in the system overthrow capitalism <laughs> all of these things that's not what you're saying when no, you're saying all. the west must die that's saying we should kill it right you're saying let it die that's very different what's what's the difference yes, yes. I, I would say if, if those are all secondary um so whether or not um, capitalism needs to be upended or improved or modified or whatever all of that is just uh, piling on language in salon somewhere that people get all jazzed up about um i'm uh, uh, i'm more the opinion that uh, and again not alone on this uh, pope francis not too long ago said western christendom is dead not the church not christianity western Christ, western the westernized Christian tradition. This goes across the boards. It would be Catholic, Protestant, practically is soaked all through Europe and America. This form of Christianity that began 500 years ago is dead. We have to let it die. And we have to say 
huh, we've been on the wrong path. Let's return to the faith before the enlightenment. In fact, there's a friend of mine uh, put it the other day. He said, Mike, you look around at the landscape of Western Christianity, and then you read the book of Acts, and you see there, there was a gap here. There's a big gap. Thinking there, there's actually something really relieving about what you're saying, and I think that's because I've always been more in the camp of, well, how do we fix it? <laughs> and is our yeah. call not to yeah. fix it? And even yeah. even the idea of returning, I actually haven't been able to make sense or to reconcile what that means at a societal level. I've only been able to reconcile that more at a personal, you know, either either me individually or my family and what that means to return. I've I've gotten glimpses of that, but I haven't been able to reconcile the gap, you know, and it sounds like what you're saying is, well, we don't need to. You actually, it can't, it can't be done. Yeah, exactly. It's not you actually, yeah, it's not even a need to, it's, it can't be done. Can't be done. So Leo, I like Leo Strauss. He, uh, I recognize him most, most of us are not familiar with him. He, he was a, a profoundly insightful, uh, Jewish writer, uh, um, on sociology of how we know what we know and so on and so forth. But his point was this, speaking to his his faith, Judaism, he said this, I think, in the 1950s. He said that the Judaism and modernity, now, time out, when we say modernity, what do we mean by that? You have to unpack that. No, I ask you. <laughs> I have no um, idea. <laughs> I, so I, I'm probably going to butcher it, but modernity would be obviously our modern age, but all the things that make up our modern age. So things yeah. like the enlightenment, things like our, uh, um, you know, current, current understanding of human nature being very individualized. A lot of those things wrapped up in yeah. what would be modernity. That's right. Modernity and, and uh, uh, modernity then is all the technologies and stuff that we developed that, uh, is based on those things we don't even, we don't even think about, but just the idea of, uh, uh, got to be future oriented. Uh, bigger is better. Faster is better. In progress. Uh, progress. Five G, <laughs> far better than four G. <laughs> um, latest Apple phone. I mean, just all the stuff you, you look at your kitchen and say, I, I can't cook in that because it's twenty years old. Stuff like that. That's modernity. Uh, it comes at us so hard, so fast, so subconsciously. You lose people when you say modernity. But that's what he meant by it. Is that there's just this whole set of assumptions that uh, you, you, they just drive the way you live. That's all there is. And so uh, anything else is an abstraction, so you might say. You know, uh, I'll give you one, but I found wherever I go, especially when I was doing uh, more consulting, if I were to tell uh, some a business, well, you know, uh, work has dignity. It's just blank stare. Yeah. What the hell do you mean by that? <laughs> because they'll tell you what work is. That's what we mean by modernity. It's just a set of assumptions that. So Leo Strauss said uh, Judaism and modernity 
cannot be assimilated. Now, what's assimilated mean? Brought back, brought together, you know, integrated, maybe. It's yeah, not that. brought back, but yeah, that's right. Uh, integrated, brought together. You know, they are. Um, and so one of the things that it's important, I, I think it's helpful anyway for uh, my friends who are evangelical in the modern sense of the word, the sense of the word that was developed in the last 500 years, especially in the last 200 years, is what uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, the poet, noticed, is that evangelicals are brilliant at assimilating their faith with the modern age. So, hey, is House of the Rising Sun a great hit? Well, man, let's put Amazing Grace to that tune. <laughs> uh, we got some, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's you know, this kind of music it's it's just a, it's just the idea that hey my pastor dresses like everybody else does out there it is so cool that's called assimilate and with assimilation there's also a non-conscious like god he wore robes this week what is going on there because again forward looks at strauss said everything back is backwards it's primitive it's 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 restraining it's it's institutional and so so strauss just simply said this can't be done to judaism he was speaking to and uh, he can't be assimilated the only thing you can do is return but in modernity returning he said is, is considered barbaric backward uh, country hick. Um, and so he said, we just have to come to terms with modernity. It has to die. Let it die. Don't start funding it and trying to fix it and juice it and replicate it. And if we just, you know, turn the dial here and tweak this and add a little more juice here and had 500 million for this over here, then it would work. Now, by the way, I happen to think this has some precedent in history. So let me just run by these epochs in history. Uh, because like I said, I'm, I'm one of the last six people in the United States that had an undergraduate degree in history. And uh, to which my father famously said, what are you going to do with that? I was say, and you're still paying the consequence for it. Right? <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> I'll work today, I die. I find out what I make versus everybody else. I go, holy smokes, no wonder you don't go into history. <laughs> So um, the uh, yeah, box. yeah yeah so Israel you know they were sent into ex they were sent into Egypt for you know all the reasons but just basically put it under it wasn't a great time for them and so God shuttled them up and there they were in Egypt and they were there think about the Exodus the Exodus is return there's the key again in Judaism returning to where they ought to be. But think about what it was like, Pat. So you were just talking about, you know, you got some kids, your family, you got your work. So here you are. Um, first of all, you've been a slave without even knowing it, or maybe knowing it. I think you would know it if you're in Egypt. But isn't it fascinating that even the Matrix is written about this 500-year enlightenment, and Morpheus says to Neo what? You're a slave. 
You're inside a matrix and you don't even know it. You're a slave. Keep going. So you come through the Red Sea. That's pretty exciting. Uh, you get on the other side. You get these Ten Commandments. And uh, then you get the good news. The good news, Pat, how old are you? How old am I? I'm 33. Yeah. You're 33. So here's the good news. Um, you're going to wander here for 40 years. Mm, good That's return. So what are you going to do for the next 40 years? Eat lots and lots of manna. That's right. Any of you remember that old one-hit wonder, get up in the morning, same thing for breakfast? It's called <laughs> the Israelites. Google it. <laughs> anyway, so yes, you eat, you drink, you uh, make babies, um, you bury two generations. That's what you do. There are so many graves in Sinai, unmarked. Why? Because they can't take the land, hmm. being with a slave mentality. Hmm. They didn't. It it takes that long to wash it out of your hair. I'm so I had a long lunch with a friend of mine yesterday. He's roughly your age, five kids, the whole nine yards. And he just, I said, this thing is dead. You got to let it die. He just, it was kind of like it cleared the, he cleared our smoky air, just cleared it right out. And he said, exactly. The problem is, He's got a good gig, making a lot of money. He's got five kids and they're heading for college. So what am I going to do? That's another topic for another day. <laughs> My point is you would be buried also, Pat. And so what you do is you love your family. You take, you provide for them. God actually did that. And you bury your aunt, your uncle, your wife. And your kids will bury you. Now that's not again without precedent because uh, after 500 years of idolatry, God said essentially to Judah, this can't be fixed. I happen to think that uh, the two nations of Israel were apostate, and which means you, they really essentially left the faith. They went up to Assyria, I mean the 10 tribes, and um, they never came back. They were lost to history. The two tribes, Judah went to Babylon and uh, they did have what God said was a future and a hope. But the hope was this. You're going to be here two generations. You're going to bury those two generations. That thing that you were doing the last 500 years has to die. And frankly, human nature is such that you won't let it die. Mm. So God yanked them out of Judah. Now, before I go further, I heard you inhale. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was going to express there's actually something really calming about what you're saying. I was thinking there's this endurance, you know, my, so what, what is my path forward? It, it kind of sounds like it's, 
it's to endure and it's to, um, to love my family well and do my best to set up particularly my children, uh, for what may be next, but recognizing it is, it is very, very unlikely that I will be seeing what is next. That's right. And there's actually something, yeah, there's something calming about that. I, you know, I, I agree. I think so. Um, yeah, I've got a few more years on you, and uh, <laughs> which is actually very freeing because, um, again, I uh, I spent time with someone recently, and they were at a mega conference, and it was all about uh, the way forward, and again, the the funding necessary for it. But it's a rather elaborate plan for uh, reviving the church in America, and by that they they basically meant Protestant America, but. Uh, you know, again, what he said was, what, what never was put on the table is, can it be revived? And should it be revived? And again, we're now we're talking here about westernized Christianity, which, are, which applies to uh, Protestant Catholic right across the board. Listen, two-thirds of Catholics don't believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. One of the foundational, fundamental truths of Catholicism, two-thirds of Catholics don't buy it. Wow. This is why, uh, you know, my friend Christopher West, it's been real clear. He said, Western Christianity must die. Archbishop Fulton Sheen in the 1970s said, Western Christianity must die. Now, here's the fascinating thing, Pat, to me. So you go back to the uh, Babylonian exile, and... Um, it was Rabbi Sachs who many years ago said, uh, essentially saying what we're saying here, this Western thing, it must die. These, we're talking about the last 500 years that began, frankly, with Luther's break and saying individuals can interpret the Bible without any aid of a magisterium or, or the apostles teaching or a corpus or a body of work that's been done. No, just you, the Holy Spirit, your conscious Bible, God. And he opened what's called a Pandora's box because it wasn't so much himself, but his followers real quickly said, we'll tear all the Catholic stuff out of these churches. Here's how we see it. And man, we are off to the races. Kaboom. Hundreds, and today I would say even hundreds of thousands of individualized takes on who is Jesus? What's the Bible? What's the gospel? And everyone would swear, no, 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 we're all saying the same thing. We love God and we understand scripture and blah, blah, blah. I just don't think you can fix it. I mean, I don't think all the king's horses and all the king's men can ever put this Humpty back together again. Mm. It just can't be done. So Rabbi Sachs understood that and he said, the future is found in the Babylonian exile a small number who went into Babylon got it. And they were called the sons of Judah. And they, he, he said, were a creative minority. They could create the way forward, but the way forward was returning back 
to the way it ought to be. Then Ratzinger, who later became Pope Benedict, said, and the future for Europe and in America, he said it also lies with a creative minority. So you had these voices across the tradition saying the West must die. The future is with a creative minority who recognize reality, who recognize this, don't try to save the system, but like Lewis say, we've been on the wrong path for 500 years. The truly progressive person turns around. You know, it's, it's really funny. I don't know if I'd call them convictions, but but my my heart and mind are definitely stirring right now. Um, when when we read, it's like when you read Joseph in the Old Testament, and you see the ups and downs of his life, and he experienced a lot in a single lifetime of being in prison, and, <laughs> but he endured, and and God really established him. You know that God God was clearly over his life, was clearly planning out his life. Um, in the in the rise, in the fall, you know, all, all the ups and downs, and I think that's a good, even a good metaphor for Jewish history. And you know, you mentioned the Babylonian exile. We have Egypt. You see this rise and fall of the people. You know, it's mm-hmm. almost like. And sometimes you read the Old Testament and it looks like God burned this to the ground. But when, <laughs> when the nation of Israel just gets, goes up and then goes way down, um, there's, there's always this remnant of Israel. And God yep. will take that and he will, he will grow that. And then sometimes it gets burned down again and he will grow that. It actually reminds me of the, the trimming of the branches, right? And, uh, pruning yes called. yes and, and my wife hates pruning she says you're killing it <laughs> so we're not killing it <laughs> it's a running debate <laughs> but what's what's amazing about that is the the stirring i feel is I, I there's a big part of me that's not okay with that uh you know god doesn't do that anymore that's up to us you know we we are the ones to uh we're in an era where we can strategically design and plan the the next rise of our of our culture, uh, particularly the culture of Christianity. And it's it's uh, what what I'm sensing is this again that sense of relief or, or freeing nature of no no God may actually be letting the letting the ashes settle before he he raises whatever is next and maybe that's the creative minority but there's just something really there's beautiful about that it's, it's a surrender it's i think that's the difference is what i'm sensing in my heart is not a giving up which some may some may hear what you're saying and go what why is mike just giving up it's not it's not a giving up it's a oh, surrender heavens, no. it's this a is, surrender uh... Yes, it is a surrender. And um, to your point, <clears throat> you're, when you're speaking, reminding me that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, when it says love bears all things, love can bear as the sons of Judah could, as could uh, the early disciples, that when... Um, 
Jesus said to the Jews, well, as you see this temple, it doesn't have much longer to go. It's over. This thing's over. This rendition of Judaism is over. Love can bear that. I like how, you know, Jim Collins famously said that um, companies go to good to great can bear the brutal reality of their present situation without giving up hope, without losing hope. So when it says bear, love bears all things, believes all things, that's not a, oh, I believe anything, yeah, I can float on the air. It means to believe the best. And to believe the best is having a hope that is grounded in reality, not some Pollyannish vision that if we just do these three things better, everything's going to get better. And we're going to, the country's going to turn around and people are going to return to their senses. And, um, you know, this is, we're not saying anything differently than, I think God has raised up a prophet who doesn't proclaim the faith, but his name is Ian McGilchrist. I've been amazed as I've come into a sacramental tradition, the number of sacramentalists who are turning, who feel like uh, Ema Gilchrist understands us better than we do. And uh, his latest two books, The Matter with Things, that is, you know, what is the matter with how we understand the material world today? His basic point is we're deluded. We're deluded. And there's no way forward in a delusional world. You've got to get back in touch with reality so, Ron Ryder, who is very much appreciates his work, let me just read you what he said. So, if you ask me to help defend the West, now that's in quotes, defend the West, everything we mean by the West, modernity, and I will reply that though this place is my home and the home of my ancestors, I can't afford the real, I can't avoid the reality that this West birthed this whirlwind that is building an inhumane future. Something in our way of seeing contained a seed that unmade the world. That's McGilchrist's point in his books. We are unmaking and unraveling the world as God made it. This writer says, I've been examining this for two years now. Do I want this unmaking to grow? No. I want to uproot it. I want to say that this, quote, West is not a thing to be, quote, conserved, obviously, or improved or fixed. Not now. Not anymore. It is a thing to be superseded. It is an albatross around our necks. It obstructs our vision. It weighs us down. Sometimes you have to know when to let go. We need, as he puts it, maybe then, just maybe, we need to let, quote, the West, quote, die. And he's right. Mm. Let it die so that we can live. Let it crumble so that we can see what lies beneath. Stop all the, quote, fighting, quote, to preserve something nobody can even define. Something which has lost its heart and soul. 
Stop clinging to the side of the sinking hull as the band plays on. We struck the iceberg long ago. Must be time at last to stop clinging to the shifting metal. Let go, start swimming out to the place where the light plays on the water. I think um, something that, that is hard to, to avoid when you read something like that is uh, it's easy to, to fall off both sides of this, maybe this, this line here, which is on the one side you can go and say, but we've gotten so much good from the West. What are you saying? Um, and then the other side is obviously going to the other extreme of, well, yeah, we should get rid of everything. Everything is awful. <laughs> and, and I think that's important to hold on to is you can, you can reflect on a lot of the good that has come out and God has used that amazingly. I'm even thinking of evangelical friends. I know that would be going crazy if they heard this going, what are you talking about? Like, this is the good best reason version. why I only have good, good to know. We only have three listeners. <laughs> this right, is helpful. That's right. <laughs> but just that, you know, what are you talking about? This is the best version of our faith yet. And, uh, and to them that they, they, they may have experienced that, but it's just, it's a reminder that God, God's always working. So yes, he's, he's used the last 500 years to capture many hearts. That is completely true. And we've gotten a lot of negative that has come out of all of this in these 500 years. And that is also completely true. And so we don't need to throw out the baby with the bathwater and we don't need to go to two extremes. You can hold these things in tension of, yeah, letting this die is, 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 uh, is pretty important. But also we can we can cherish what's got what God has done through it all and the good that has come. Yes, that's a good that's a very good way to put it. The um, the discernment is so. Tell me about the good that's come. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I'm not asking you right now. Mm -hmm. I think that what is lacking in holding this tension because you're it's everything is there's never this this entirely good this entirely bad right right but having said all that you do find you'll find a lack of modifiers when you look at how god speaks he for example he doesn't speak about cycles and decline he goes between um he speaks between uh faith and sin <laughs> I mean, so it's just that he talks in terms of uh, of uh, obedience or or uh, idolatry. You know, these are terms we don't use anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, Isaiah tells Judah, "Idols blind." And if you don't recognize how they blind us, then we really can't extract out. What is the good? Mm -hmm. hmm. We can't discern. Um, uh, you know what is what is redeemable? Because one of the stark things that um, um, you see in the Exodus, you see in the exiles, 
you see in Strauss's comment, you see it in um, all the rest, uh, Catholic and Protestant feel this way, they'd say, um, well, and the Gilchrist would say, we're deluded as to what we define as what's the good that's come out of this. The good that's come out of this is, um, by the way, a really good book from 2015 um, by Matthew Crawford, who we really love. I love uh, Shop Classes Soulcraft, but Crawford's book of a few years ago is even better. Once you know the title escapes right at the moment, we'll, we'll get it to you. And, but he just runs through a day, a given day, and says, uh, you take what technology and advertising has done to us. He goes, they even, he says, even when I go through an airport now, advertisers have capitalized on, hey, well, that place right there on the bottom of that train, that's empty. <laughs> Put something in there. And I have trouble getting through some of the, uh, um, like if, if I read the New York Times, you know, if, I, if I'm not careful, I'm just sliding down an article. And next thing you know, I've double clicked something without even knowing it. <laughs> and I'm going to say, you damn advertisers. Because his point is, you only have so much capacity for so much distraction. And all from the McGill Chris to just, there's a slew of writers who say, we are well past the capacity of the human brain, which has not changed over millions of years, to handle this much distraction. We just, we, you just simply can't. And so what people feel is the great good of, oh man, I can go to the grocery store and there are 750 types of bread. What, a, <laughs> what an awesome country. <laughs> and we go, I go, no, that's not awesome. That's not good. That's not good because of the number of times Jesus and God, Father, Son, and Spirit, all say, pay attention. Pay attention. Pat, you know the number of times, especially as he was a man, but it's, it's across the boards. If I say, if I begin to even touch on a certain topic, I watch the eyes glaze over. <laughs> Why? I would guess they're not paying attention. Can't Why? Go. We've gotten worse at attending to thought. Exactly. We literally... The reason McGill Chris is writing, he said, we have we have disemboweled for most people the ability to give attention long enough to actually begin to uncover some of the mysteries behind what's going on in this world. We just can't you can't be hooked mm. to your phone as if it's your umbilical cord. <laughs> and um we're just simply out of touch. You know, you start to see us if you watch a movie, or even from the 60s, when they have you and say, look at all the lack of paraphernalia around them. They're not pulling stuff out. In fact, you know, some of these movies, 
they got to scramble to go find a payphone somewhere. Uh, they're not getting, uh, you know, 200 emails in a given day. Oh, my God, what are they doing? They're actually more rooted in what's going on. So I'm not going to go into links on this, but the fact is, um, I find the assessments of what's been gained, hmm. uh, I'm more in league with McGilchrist. That uh, it feels like a gain, but uh, you know the entire advertising industry, which didn't exist until recent in recent history, is designed to do one thing: it's to create discontentment, which then takes your attention to what will make me content. What stuff? That's why. I, what thing? That's why McGilchrist double and double meaning in his title of his book. You know, the matter with things. There's something important that things really matter, but what's the matter with things is the things are just things, and we think these things are not detrimental. Mm-hmm. So what I, you know, I've been to a few places in the world, but I just go. Everybody here, we're standing here. We could, we could be, I don't know, the Great Wall, where I've been. And everybody there is on their phone. They go, my God, <laughs> do you want to take in the wall? Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by, yeah. this, uh, I don't, I'm not impressed with the, what the good that people suspect, but you're right. The good, when you come to the end of the 500 years, is those who feel a sense of cognitive dissonance, which means what? A gap. Yeah, yeah, that's right. A gap, but it's a gap that gnaws at their soul and they can't get any sleep. They, It's the Neo, you know. You sense something's wrong with the world, but you don't know what it is. Um, those people, Pat, frankly, they're few and far between. The rest of us are anesthetized with our technology, and they are they are ubiquitous, which means they are everywhere all the time. Um, you can't get through a restaurant, you can't get through a mall, you can't get through your day without a screen. Screens, plural. They just we are anesthetized, or we underestimate what this is doing to us. Because it it's like a drug. It feels good. I felt this way. I mean, there's sometimes at the end of the day, I say, I just want to crash. So you put on <laughs> this thing that was called in the 1960s, a vast cultural wasteland. <laughs> the television. And I have a nimble thumb and finger that can scroll up and down going through 500 channels of which most of which I go, I mean, <laughs> Dr. Pimple Popper actually is a profitable. That's, you know, <laughs> other generations say, you've got to be out of your freaking mind. <laughs> people pay for that. Advertisers do because they feel there's enough people watching it. But I go through this thing and I say, I said to Kathy, I said, why, are we, why do we have this? No, we haven't yet. But it's just go, I'm going through 
trying to find something that actually has something redeeming in it. And I'm hard pressed increasingly just to go. And then, but I, then I find myself thinking, you know, my, I can remember grandparents. I can remember actually my Aunt Merle, good old Aunt Merle. But she once said when we were at her cottage and we were little young tykes, late 50s, early 60s. And I heard her on the back porch. And my brother Robert and I were up putting a new roof on her cottage. So that night we were just watching the old black and white. And I heard her say to her husband, Jack, she goes, I really don't understand why they just watch TV at night. And they were out rocking on the porch and looking at the lake and talking to each other. And I just happened to have overheard that. Maybe I was six, seven, eight years old. It just always stuck in my mind because the older I get, I go, so of all the things I can do for the next hour, I'm going to do this. Is that really a good? But the technology is so powerful when you go in, it feels good. I call it eating McDonald's French fries. The first couple taste good. By the time you're done, you're grossed out. You say, what in heaven's name did I do? <laughs> you got a weak stomach, Mike. You got you to work I, on that. <laughs> I tell you, boy, yeah. And that's how I feel when I, you know, I could be halfway through a show and I go, what am I doing? What am I doing? Well, I'm inside with this writer I just read to you. It, he calls it the machine. And, and Lewis called it the machine. But Morpheus called it the machine. There's nothing original here, but they all say you're inside the machine and it's a 500 year old machine and it's created a 500 year epoch that's really an aberration and different from how billions and millions or whatever people have lived apart from this and before this. And it's got to die. It is dying. It's dead. Let it die. Thank you.